Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. And good morning again and a warm welcome to all of you. And I want to begin by uh, describing a news clip that I watched just this past week. Uh, The topic, uh, well, the clip took place in a town meeting. And the topic at the town meeting was whether or not to have elementary school children in the classroom this fall. And in the clip, as I watched, one adult leapt to his feet and grabbed the microphone and he yelled into it, You are going to kill my daughter! Instantly, another fellow leapt to his feet and he grabbed the mic and he yelled, My daughter needs to go to school. And even though both of them were wearing masks, you could still actually see spit coming out of their mouths as they were screaming. Well, for the last two Sundays, the second reading has come from St. Paul's letter to the Christians living in Rome. And when we left, Paul last Sunday in Romans, Paul was groaning. Paul was saying that the whole creation, including town meetings, groans in travail. He was saying that you and I groan inwardly over everything that's not right. He was saying that this groaning is in our very DNA. And I tell you about that town meeting to simply illustrate that uh, what we all know, um, that the groans have continued this past week. The groans have continued with the number of cases of COVID just skyrocketing in different parts of our country. The groaning has continued with all of the folk who are out of work. The groaning has continued with all of the racial conflicts and injustices. The groaning has continued with all of the conflicts between our elected leaders. My goodness. I mean, I know that we've been groaning since the beginning of time, but it sure feels as the groaning has gotten a lot heavier lately. And then to top it all off, somebody thought they'd be really nice to me this past week uh, by sending me an app titled, You Croak. So there's a cheery title. Um, I opened the app up. This is what it said. Find happiness by contemplating your death. Each day we'll send you five invitations to think about your death. Our invitations come at random times and at any moment, just like death. Well, I mean, in fact, I actually do think that there is something wise and good about contemplating our mortality. But still, I mean, I'm not sure I'm going to send, I'm going to give the Ucroak ad uh, app to, as a birthday present to my nearest and dearest. So from town meetings to COVID, the groaning continues. And to begin today's passage from Romans, Paul says, We do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words. Or as the New English Bible puts it, we don't even know how we ought to pray, but through our inarticulate groans, the Spirit is pleading for us. 
Which is to say, God doesn't require you and me to have a PhD in English to know how to pray. God doesn't demand that we be articulate. And in fact, we don't even need to talk at all. Paul says that the Holy Spirit takes our inarticulate groans, figures out where they're coming from, and lets God let God know our real concerns. I mean, can you think of some groans that you've uttered this past week, maybe in the last five minutes? At the very moment you were uttering those groans, the Holy Spirit was explaining your heart to God. So that's really good. But it's not good enough. Because whether they are interpreted or not, the groans still persist. We're still stuck with what J.B. Phillips calls those agonized longings that never find words. And that's why St. Paul goes on in today's lesson to say something else. He says, We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to God's purposes. So let me just ask you, is that your experience right now? Is everything coming together for you right now? Because if it is, then I rejoice for you. But the thing is, I haven't met you. I would have to say that for 99.9% of you, the most honest response would be for you to say, Hey Jim, you are so not walk. Give me a break. Because it's so clear from the headlines in the paper to the headlines in our hearts that the world does not see everything as working together for good at this moment. The world sees life as not everything working together for good, but rather as a kind of endless waiting for Godot, waiting for God-O, who never shows up. Now, it's also true that the world tries to hide from this painful reality, to hide from the reality of groaning. And in a past issue of The New Yorker, I mean, there was an article about a convention of people who write obituaries in the newspapers. And in the article, there are a list of euphemisms used by these writers for the verb to die. Here are just a few examples of an effort to pretty up the reality of death, to pretty up the reality of things not working together for good. Obituary writers describe the dead person as ushered to the angels, passed from this planet to a higher plane, graduated to phase two, made his transition, received his final marching orders, departed this life on his Harley Davidson, and my two favorites went fishing with Jesus and teed up for golf with God. Well, it's silly on the surface. But in only slightly more subtle ways, it's the kind of thing that you and I do as well to try to avoid the reality of things not working together for good. It's the kind of thing we do to avoid the groans. And of course, it doesn't work. And in fact, we groan all the more when we hear Paul's promise, but don't see them happening. If you just stop promising so much, Paul, 
then maybe we wouldn't groan so much. But thank the Lord, Paul doesn't stop. He's so excited in Romans chapter 8 that he can't stop. He wants us to know how in God all things work together for good. And so he tells us, first of all, look, it's my own experience. It's what happened to me. But Paul also realizes that God's promise is true most of all, not because of his own experience, but because of the experience of God's own Son. More than anyone who ever lived, Jesus seemed to have, throughout his life, an experience of things not working together for good. He was born in this little backwater province of the Roman Empire. He never traveled anywhere. A couple hundred miles was the furthest he ever went. Uh, he was constantly misunderstood. The few people who did follow him at the end, they all fell away. He died a horrible death. And he was buried in, a, in an abandoned rock quarry. And here's the hidden truth. Here is the great truth. In his life, as in no other life, all things worked together for good. A few little people found that tomb in the rock quarry and found it empty. And as a result, everything changed in this entire world down to this very moment. And as it is for the Son of God, so it is for you and me as we are claimed and forgiven and made new in the love of God. It's spelled out in the anthem that Brittany is going to sing in just a few minutes. This is quite an amazing anthem. First of all, it's set to a tune that you're all going to know, and it's quite wonderful. Also, while Brittany's singing, I mean, it's great to look at Brittany, but you also want to turn to the leaflet and look at the words, because the theology, um, the, the meaning of the words in this anthem are quite amazing. The last line of the last verse will just blow your socks off. But I'm going to quote the second verse. Brittany's going to sing this. Things future, nor things that are now, nor all things below or above, can make him, God, his purpose forego, or sever my soul from his love. What we are talking about here is God's specialty, working good out of bad. In the life of God's own Son, the absolute worst becoming the absolute best, and in our lives as well. I want to commend to you this new book that Paul Zoll has written. It's a powerful book. It's titled Peace in the Last Third of Life. But parts of it, in parts of it, Paul describes experiences for boomers like me toward the end of life in being able to look back and to see back when it was awful that in fact God was working good. Sometimes I can look back and say, yes, I see. It was awful back then, but now I see God's hand at work. I think of the seminary professor I had whose son committed suicide and who preached a sermon some months later at the seminary in which he said, I've been to the bottom and it's solid. 
I think of the woman I visited in the hospital who told me of some awful times in her life and who said that now she sees how God has worked through those experiences to begin to fashion her into a whole person. I mean, I think back to a couple of major disasters in my own life, disasters of which I was the author. And looking back, I can see that they were starting points for God to work miracles of healing. And in fact, they were actually the only points in which God's grace could get a foothold in my life. They were living illustrations of the good news that dead is where God does his best work. And that's why Paul ends the eighth chapter of Romans with a cry that's the opposite of a groan. He hurls this question out into the universe. And then with a triumphant cry, he dares anyone in heaven or hell to deny him. What then shall we say to this, says Paul, if God is for us, who can be against us? If the God who numbered the stars, who came in the person of Jesus in one-way love to you and me, who comprehends our inarticulate groans, and who specializes in fashioning good out of bad, if this God is for us, who can be against us? Well, I want to close with a little picture of all things working together for good at the end of life because that's been a certain theme of this sermon. And it comes from a woman named Sarah Patton Boyle, an amazing woman who I had the privilege of knowing when I was in seminary. She died some years ago. But before she died, she, like Paul Zoll, wrote a book on aging and toward the end of life. And I want to read for you the closing words in her book. This is what she wrote. I cannot share in a death without recalling a November night when I woke suddenly but softly at four o'clock to find the glory of the Lord shining round me and the sweetness of the Lord like a warm perfume in the cold room. I heard no sound, yet inside me bells were ringing. All is well, all is well. And with wonderful certainty, I suddenly knew that the substance which sustains the world is love, on which during life we float in our small boats as on a great fresh lake. I knew that all around us are these living waters. I felt gloriously safe as when I was very small and crawled into my mother's bed to be snuggled in her arms. The feeling lasted until eight o'clock when I got a long-distance call. It was my sister. My mother had died that morning at four o'clock. I knew then that our Lord had sent her to me before he called her to slumber or to fulfill whatever he had for her until his day. There was no psychological reason for the experience. I had not expected her death, nor had I been thinking of her often. My consciousness was invaded by the experience as a meteor invades our earth, and I knew with certainty that she loved me, which I had not always believed. And here is Sarah Patton Boyle's last paragraph. In our foolish humanness, we clutch and cling to earthly life because it is familiar and we shrink from the unknown. 
But we need not fear to enter a land from which such things as this come, a land from which love comes and to which in time it goes. Well, when we get to our prayers in just a few minutes that Ben will lead, I want to invite us to bring our inarticulate groans to this time of prayer. And as we do, I will be praying that you and I may know that we are met and welcomed and embraced by the one who gave that experience to Sarah Patton Boyle and who offers it to you and me and in whose name all things finally work together for good. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.